0: Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in Romans chapter 2 this morning. Last week we began uh, what will be, I guess, a 16-week study. uh, As we study through the book of Romans, we're going to try and tackle one chapter at a time uh, each week. And so this will give you something if you listen to the show regularly, something to look forward to week to week and also give you something to study as you go through the week. Maybe it'll give you some ideas of some things that you can study, uh, in particular in the book of Romans, on your own time as well. So we're going to be in chapter 2 this morning. And and Romans chapter 2, in a lot of ways, it just picks up right where Romans chapter 1 left off. And and Jeremy, when when you look at this, maybe as a little bit of a way of recapping what we talked about last week, leading into Romans chapter 2, Paul begins this letter to the Christians in Rome, who he speaks very highly of. He, He begins it by reminding them of the dire straits in which they once found themselves. So as we kick off Romans chapter 2, what is the direction that Paul is trying to point these Christians in early on in this letter?
1: We may mention that, you know, Romans chapter 1, after he goes, goes through all of his openings and his introductions, and, he, and you're right, he talks to them in glowing ways, even though he's not been there physically. He's not visited mm-hmm. them as he has in a lot of the other letters that he's written. Places like Ephesus or places like Corinth where he's spent a significant amount of, significant mm-hmm. amount of time he makes mention in the very beginning. He, he's not been there. He's got a great desire to to be with them, but he doesn't know them. But yet still speaks very highly of them because their reputation is is that they hold they hold you know fast to those things, and so. He, you're right, he gets very quickly into the, the bad place that mankind really finds themselves in. Chapter 1 and verse 18, in a lot of ways, is a, is a key component to that, where he talks about the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And so you have this picture of the wrath of God, something that no one certainly would be interested in. But the point is made that the wrath of God, regardless of who it is, is going to come down on those who suppress the truth. Mm -hmm. And it's going to start... Really, with non godly, non God knowing, non Scripture knowing uh, Gentile, maybe even type of folks, and the mm-hmm. picture he paints is: Listen, if you're even though God is revealed and God is there, if you're not going to seek after Him, the wrath of God is going to be revealed, and He's going to allow you to head in the terrible direction that the flesh wants to take you in. And that, in a lot of ways, is chapter one. But chapter two you're right it really picks up right there but now for the jewish brethren who may mm-hmm. be you know amening yeah. everything that That's paul right. has to say yeah. he he turns on them mm-hmm. and he really turns on them in a pretty heavy way, really from the very beginning of this chapter Mm -hmm. to the very end of this chapter has some pretty heavy things to say to the Jewish brethren and really puts them in the exact same boat that he puts everybody in chapter 1.
0: Yeah, as you may mention, when we talked about it at the very end of chapter 1, he talks about... Uh, the people who are active participants in some of these evil and wicked things, and, and Paul makes one of his famous lists there of some of these terrible things that people would be guilty of. And, and clearly, you could you could look at that and think, well, clearly those people would would be guilty of of sin and, and would be facing the wrath of God because of what they've done. But then he concludes by saying, not only those who do them, but also those who approve of those who are doing those. And then he starts chapter 2 by saying, not only those who do, not only those who approve, but now those who judge those (laughs) who do these things. And you're right, that's where I think he's really starting to make a, a strong point to the Jews because we've seen if you go back to the gospels when when Jesus was on the earth and teaching and the the run-ins that he had with the pharisees that was something that they were well known for. They were they were people who liked to be up on their high horse and looking down on those, especially the gentiles. And so he's really making a point directed to these Jews Not only are the people who do guilty, not only are the people who approve guilty, but now the ones who judge those who do these things, you're also just as guilty, and you're also in the same mess that these other people are in.
1: Listen, the Jews have put themselves in a position, and you know, in a lot of ways, for centuries now, they've been God's special people. They've had a covenant relationship with God that is different, that is unique than a relationship that he had with anybody else. But the Jews, especially here at this time, and really beginning long before where we are here, they started to almost all that matters is I'm a Jew. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. I'm a Jew, I'm right with God because God loves the Jewish people. And that's as far as it went. And so now when you start to talk about these spiritual things, and like we made mention in chapter 1, Where Paul is kind of painting the picture that, listen, for those of you outside of the Jewish community, God has still been revealed Mm -hmm. to you and you've still had opportunities. And if you suppress the truth that God is real, that he is there, then there's the wrath of God is coming down. And you, you, again, you start to picture the Jews kind of sitting back and and saying, that's right, you know, (laughs) preach on. And he starts here in, in chapter one or chapter two and verse one. Listen, you are inexcusable. And he gets very quickly into you know, their, their high horse, their, mm-hmm. their seat of judgment of looking down upon everyone else when the reality all man—I mean, this is the direction that Paul is headed in the book of Romans—all man is in the same exact place. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. All man is in the exact same place, mm-hmm. and he has to bring them down from a pretty high place, and I think that's why the chapter itself seems pretty harsh.
0: Yeah, I really like verse number three. I think it goes along with what you were just saying. And Do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? And I think when you read that, and you're like, well, how could anyone think that? You know, How could anyone think that You know, you could get away with something like that, judging someone for doing something, but you do the exact same thing? But really, when you take a step back... Uh, that is a lot more prevalent even in our society today sure. than we probably like to admit, and, and really that, that that hypocritical mindset which that 's what 's being described here is the idea of just being a hypocrite really that that mindset is is widely spread in the religious community and it 's one of the reasons why religion in general can sometimes get a black eye in a lot of ways because those who teach against certain things are oftentimes the one found guilty of those things they're teaching against. And it's a strong lesson for us as Christians today, and especially those who are going to be active in teaching and preaching. Hey, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. That, that's what's expected of you. You can't, you can't allow yourself to be someone who's going to say all the right things when the, when the spotlight's on you, but then behind closed doors, you're guilty of the very things that you were preaching and teaching against. You have to be careful about that, not only because of you're putting your own soul in jeopardy, But also because of the impact they can have on other people and how other people view you and view the church and view the Bible, those types of things. You can have an impact on how people view all of those things by the way that you act in regards to what you've taught. Yeah, it, It's the cliche, uh,
1: I think, a lot of times that we'll use uh, that talks about, listen, the the law doesn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or a lot of times we'll use that we're, you know reference. We'll see someone yeah. else and we'll say, well, yeah. they're just acting like the law doesn't apply to them. Yeah. We'll t- we talk about that way with celebrities all the time or, you know, uh, famous yeah. athletes who get themselves into trouble. and you know it's they live that way that the law doesn't apply to them well guess what the law applies to them we see mm-hmm. that play out in real life i mean all the time people who think the law doesn't apply to them but then they re, they get in trouble and they realize Yeah, the law does apply to them. That's almost what's happening right here, that the Jews are living in kind of a mindset that, listen, all of those things, even spiritually, doesn't apply to me because I'm a Jew, Mm -hmm. and God loves the Jews. But what they're now coming face-to-face with, that Paul's helping them come face-to-face with, guess what? The law applies to you Mm -hmm. just as well. And you are in the exact same place. And you're right in verse 3. Listen, the finger that you're pointing... You're doing the exact same thing that you're doing. And ultimately, because you're doing those same things, you're in the same amount of trouble that everyone else finds themselves in.
0: When you read through Paul's epistles, this is something that is, is clearly on his mind a lot. And we we know from going back into Acts, we know Paul was uniquely qualified to speak to both the Jews and to the right. Gentiles. He was both a Jew and a Roman citizen. And so he has that dual citizenship, so to speak, where where he's qualified to speak to the challenges that the Jews face and the challenges that the Gentiles face. And so because of that, he can write something like this, and it carries weight with it, both in the Jewish community as as well as in the Gentile community. And so when you read something like this, I think if you try and put yourself in the position of these first century Christians who are who are now brothers and sisters in Christ but have come from both Jewish and Gentile backgrounds, and they're trying to work all this out, right. they're trying to get this all figured out. And it, 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 sometimes I think from our perspective, we look back, I mean, how can you guys not figure this thing out? But really, when you stop to think about it, like this was brand new for them. Right. I mean, this has generations of history tied up into it that's leading to some of the challenges that these two groups of people are facing. And so when you look at it from that perspective, and you see what Paul is really trying to do here is to build a foundation on which these two can become unified together. He's not trying to put down the Jews. He's not trying to put down the Gentiles. He's not trying to elevate one over the other. He's trying to lay a foundation in which they can see that now in Christ they are all equal. Law or no law, that, that part of it is gone. They're, you're not special in, in the way that the Jews like to think themselves special. They, they are now one under Christ. And so this, this groundwork is being laid here, I think, in a lot of ways, uh, to both some, in some ways elevate the Gentiles and bring the Jews down, and then in some ways he's going to bring the Jews up and bring the Gentiles down. He's going to create a level playing field for which they can play ball. And that's what he's doing here, and I think in the beginning of Romans, is showing them that regardless of the blood that runs through your veins, you're all on the same playing field now
1: yeah I, listen I, I don't want to give uh, chapter three away I'll certainly plug next week when we we have opportunity to talk about Romans chapter three but it, when you get to ro- chapter three it really becomes the conclusion of these first three chapters mm-hmm. and and it, it is that exact point that you're right it's not about bringing anybody down like he was bringing the Gentiles down maybe the Jews thought they you know look I'm Paul's bringing them down or it's not mm-hmm. about even bringing the Jews down yeah. it, it is about unifying. It's about putting everybody in the same place. And, you know, we made mention in chapter 1 of verse 18, where he talked about the wrath of God being revealed, you know, from heaven against all ungodliness. And that's why you have there in verse 5, that because of the hardness and your impenitent heart, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath and the day of wrath. And so he's painting this Listen, everybody is in trouble together. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. everybody is in trouble together, everybody needs to get out of trouble together. Mm-hmm. And that is the beauty of the book of Romans, because it's laid out that, in that logical kind of way, yeah. that everybody is in trouble, now let's get out of it together. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's, and that's where he is here in chapter 2 of letting the Jews know it's not a special place mm-hmm. to be a Jew. It's not a special place with regards to your spirituality. You're in the exact same place as what all of what he showed us in chapter 1. Yeah,
0: I, I love it. It's not, it's not special to be a Jew. It's special to be a Christian. That's right. And, that, and that's really where the crux of all this is. And, that, and that's so for so long they have been defined by the fact that they were Jews. Right. That had defined everything about them and their religious structure was defined by the fact that they were Jews. And what Paul wants them to see is what makes you special now is that you're a Christian. It's not about the law. And that's, that's what he's going to get into really beginning in verse number 12 and going going forward. It's not about the law anymore. Right? If you, ha- if, you, if you were a Jew and you were given the law, then you had the responsibility to follow the law. If you were a Gentile and you weren't given the law, then, then you had your own set of responsibilities that stemmed from the conscience that God had given to you and your ability to do right based on that. It doesn't matter anymore. Now it's about you serving God and seeking Him. And that, that's what He says, uh, just a few verses up from there. You know, eternal life is to those who by patient continuance, mm-hmm. doing good, seek glory and honor and immortality. But those who are self-seeking, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they're the ones that are going to face indignation and wrath. It's not about whether or not you have the law. It's now about are you going to seek God, or are you going to seek self? Are you going to be self-serving in your behavior? That's what it's about now. It's no longer about the law, and they have to break free of that mindset. And I think as we can see in Paul's epistles and the frequency with which he addresses this, we can clearly see how difficult that was for them. And I think it's important for us to understand just how hard that was and to cut them a little bit of slack for here and there. In regards to that, because this is really a big obstacle for these early century Christians to overcome.
1: I mean, even a verse that a lot of people are familiar with, and here in chapter two and verse eleven, you know, there is no partiality with Mm -hmm. God. I mean, sometimes you know it's one of those verses we like to throw out there, you know, to you know to make the point. Listen, God sees everybody the same: man, female, Jew, Greek, black, white. I mean, He sees everybody Mm -hmm. the exact same, and He does. That's exactly Mm -hmm. right. But you know, to the point that you've just that you just made, this verse eleven is a challenging verse for the mm-hmm. Jew yeah. because their entire culture is God showing partiality. <laughs> I mean, it, from their certainly from their mindset, from, from their yeah. perspective, let me, I'll use that. I mean, from their perspective, it is God showing partiality. Now, I, I, I don't think that was. It was God showcasing in every way to get us to this point and mm-hmm. to show us, you know, to give us those parallels, to give us those shadows and types and all of those things. But this would have been a challenging verse to them Mm -hmm. because their perspective is God shows partiality, Mm -hmm. and that means that the Gentiles are going to be judged really harshly and if I'm a Jew, I don't have to try as hard because God loves the Jews yeah. more than he loves anyone else. And what Christ is all about is that is to showcase that God loves everyone the same. Mm-hmm. And really from the time that Christ entered his life onto this earth, everybody is in the same place. Mm-hmm. And that is ultimately where, where Paul said, but it's hard. It's a difficult thing to sell. That's why he needs three chapters really <laughs> right. you know, to do it. Yeah. Is, I mean, he takes three chapters really to say everybody's in trouble.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that one line, he needs three chapters to get that point across. Mm-hmm. Well, and what he says there in verse number 12, basically, if you've sinned with the law, then you're going to perish. If you've sinned without the law, guess what? You're going to perish. Again, it's not about the law, it's about the sin. Right. You know, if if you have violated God and his will for man, then that leads to punishment. That leads to perish. That that's what's going to happen as a result of that. It's not whether or not you were with the law. It's not whether or not you were Jew or Gentile. It's about whether or not you sinned. And that is the mindset that they were having to kind of transition to, right? And again, I think it's a good lesson for us today because I think oftentimes you know we can fall into the same traps sometimes of well, you know, my family has grown up in this church. You know, my family have been Christians for generations, and with that can sneak in some entitlement and right. some well, you know, I you know my, my parents did all of these wonderful things. My grandparents helped build this church, and so on and so forth. Well, have you sinned or have you not sinned? Right. That's what it's going to come down to. It doesn't matter what the background is. It doesn't matter what your family heritage is. It doesn't matter about all of those things. What matters is your relationship to God. Are, are you living in accordance with what He wants from out of you in your life? Or are you violating that? That's what's important. Sin or no sin. That's, that's the when you boil it all down to its most basic form, that's what we all have to deal with, sin. Not, not whether or not our family helped build the church, not whether or not I've done this or that, but what is my relationship with God like now?
1: Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, listen, we'll use that phrase, and you make a great applicable point, because I think we do that all the time. I mean, it is that coattail mentality that, Mm -hmm. listen, I can ride on somebody's coattails, whether it's my family's coattails, whether it's, you know, some prominent member of the church's coattails, or whatever the case may be, that Mm -hmm. because of who I know, we almost paint the picture of, you know, heaven's going to be about who you know. I mean, (laughs) in this world, sometimes it is about who you know, Uh but sometimes we let that creep in spiritually mm-hmm. now, it's, it, hey, it's all about who you know. Yeah, But I mean, listen, verse 16 specifically, that there's a day that God's going to judge the secrets of men, and he's going to do that by Christ, mm-hmm. according to my gospel. No, not according to, you know, not by Jew-Gentile, mm-hmm. not by keep of the old law or not. He's going to do so by Christ, and it's going to be every person that's going to have to answer. And because of that, Listen, again, not to jump into, I keep wanting to jump into chapter 3, well, yeah. but it, it, chapter 3 is going to paint the picture. Mm-hmm. Listen, because of that, we're all in pretty bad shape because nobody's righteous, everybody has sin,
0: and that's really the point that he's making in chapter yeah. 2. I'll even one-up you. <laughs> chapter 7 and 8, when, you, when we're going to get all the, way, all the way into there, uh, the, one of the big points that he's going to make in those chapters is you wouldn't want to be judged by the law anyway. You know yeah. you, you may you may think that you want to live according to the law and you you Jews you may you may want to hold that up as if it's something special because you're the ones that the law was given to but trust me you don't want to be judged by that standard you want the grace and the mercy that Christ is right. extending to you, and that's going to be a big theme throughout this because we're you know he mentions here towards the end of chapter two he'll talk about circumcision and which was obviously one of the 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 biggest things that the Jews were going to have to overcome under the new law was the requirement of circumcision. But one of the things that that Paul's going to point out here in chapter 2 and then going forward is, listen, you don't want to have to keep holding to these traditions that the old (laughs) law has. Right. Trust me on this one. The the new way is much better. The new way is a lot better in a lot of different ways. That's what you don't understand. the, The grace that Jesus brought to the earth and now extends to all mankind is so much better than what the old law has to offer. And that standard that you are trying to hold to, you don't want to be held to that on the day of judgment because you're going to fail if that's what it is. You want the mercy that Christ extends to you. And that's what he's trying to get across to them. And I think, again, just to to make, a—I think, a real basic application point, we don't want to live in a legalistic (laughs) religious society. No. We we sometimes sound like we want to, and we sometimes make some rules here and there where we, it seems like we want to, or that's what it looks like, maybe from the outside. I want I want to live a life that is. Grateful and embracing of the grace that Jesus extends to me. Right. I don't want to be judged by the old law. I don't want to be judged by a legalistic standard. I want to be judged by a loving and graceful God. And that—that's the picture that, that Paul is painting here for these these Christians in Rome. That's—that's that's the law that you need to embrace, the one of grace and mercy.
1: Yeah, and he he makes the point in verse seventeen that listen, they're they're boasting in things that they need not be boasting in, the fact of being a Jew, resting on the law. If you're going to boast in those things, you are going to fall drastically short. I mean, he he, again, I mean, 17, 18, 19, and 20, really, even into 21 a little bit, he, he, he paints the picture of exactly where the Jews are, that they are standing on this incredibly high horse, looking down upon everybody else. You are a light in the in darkness, shining for everybody else. You are the ones teaching everybody what they need to know. Mm-hmm. But the point that he makes, listen, you're the one standing up and telling everybody on how it is that they need to live spiritually, but you're not doing any of those things yourself. Yeah. And because of that, again, everybody finds themselves in the exact same place. And it just, I mean, the whole thing, verse 21, you, you teach, do you not teach yourself? You. You preach that a man should not steal. Do you steal? Verse 22, do not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? Mm-hmm. You abhor idols. Do you rob temples? And, and so you make your boast in the law. Do you dishonor God through breaking of the law? And, and you know, they do. I mean, the point well, is made through yeah, Scripture sure. that you could, it's impossible to keep the law perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, this isn't the way that they want to be. Living, It's not the way they want to be justified before God. It's mm-hmm. not. They're trying to hold it up, but listen, there's nothing to hold up. And because of that, everybody finds themselves in the same place.
0: That's when he gets down into these last few verses there and begins to talk specifically about circumcision. The, the basic point that he's making there is you, you view circumcision as so important but yet you're overlooking the fact that you're breaking the rest of the law, <laughs> yeah. and it's like you know you, you take a step back from that, and it seems almost comical. You, how can you, you know, how can you hold the circumcision so tightly, and that be something that they require of everyone in order to be a good Jew? But then you break all sorts of things in, in regards to the rest of the law. You can't possibly think that you're righteous before God, but that's exactly what the Jews thought. I mean, that, that goes all the way back into you know Acts chapter 15 when. You know, this, the gospel was being taken to the Gentiles for the first time, and circumcision was a big point of contention. Should a Christian have to be circumcised? That was something that they had to deal with early on. And the point that Paul is making here is listen, how can you hold circumcision up as something so special when you have literally made a mockery of the rest of the law? And, but, but again, that's something that I think we all have to deal with from time to time. There, there are certain aspects of, Of scripture that is very easy for us to hold up as something that we're really really serious about but then some other aspects of scripture we don't treat so seriously right we got to be careful about that this is god's law they're on equal playing fields we need to treat all aspects of it seriously and the point that's being made here is you haven't done that with the law so don't don't look at yourselves as being something special don't Don't put yourself up on a pedestal because you've treated the law in a way that God never intended for it to be treated. You've made a mockery of it in a lot of situations.
1: Yeah, and he really points out, especially those things around circumcision, he really points out a few things that would have been very difficult for them to hear. I mean, and you, you make the point, listen, circumcision was something that, you know, they held up in, in a pretty heavy way. Acts chapter 15 talks specifically about the entirety of the book of Galatians mm-hmm. is an issue yeah. that they were having. But he, he makes the point, listen, if you're circumcised, but yet you don't keep the law, you might as well be uncircumcised. I mean, mm-hmm. to hear that would have been disastrous. But then to, even to flip the coin as he does, maybe it would have been even worse. When he says, even for the uncircumcised, if they were to keep the law, Mm -hmm. they're just as good as being Mm -hmm. circumcised. And, I mean, that would have been even worse, you know, probably for them to hear. But, again, the point is being made. You're holding to a standard or you're lifting up a standard that you're not even keeping yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's just not something that man is apt to do. And because of that, ultimately, man finds himself in big trouble. If their focus is on those physical kinds of things... Mm -hmm and not on the spiritual. I think that's why at the very end of chapter 2, he really starts turning the page on these very physical things with regards to the old law, with the spiritual things with regards to Christ.
0: That's how he concludes this chapter by saying, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And there's this I think that's just this beautiful picture. It ties along so well with just this idea you know Paul Paul will use the idea uh, that if you're Abraham's seed, then you're Christ you're you're not it's not about being a Jew that allows you into Christ. It's about being Christ's that makes you a seed of Abraham. and that's kind of the same idea that that's being played out here in in ways. It's not about the outward. Act of circumcision. It's about the circumcision of the heart. It's about setting yourself apart for Christ. And to your point, if you're doing that, then regardless of whether you're circumcised or not, you can be, as we kind of started with, you can be unified as one under Christ because you're His. It's not because of your bloodline. It's not because of something you've done to your outward body. It's about what you have done inwardly. It's about your heart and about setting yourself apart for the work of Christ.
1: And you see kind of in making that turn. I mean, really from the beginning of the chapter, but certainly from 17, really down through 26 and 27. I mean, it's pretty heavy, Harsh stuff for the Jew to hear. Mm-hmm. All that he goes across. But he yet he closes with that idea that we've talked about you know already that he he wants to he wants them to understand that it's not about being a Jew or it's not about being a Gentile. It's not about being a, a slave or a free. It's not about even being male or female. It's about being Christ's. Mm-hmm. Or not. Mm-hmm. It's about accepting the truth of God or suppressing the truth of mm-hmm. God. It's about, it's about those things. And we can go back to you know chapter 1 and verse 16 we talked about last week of really being a key verse, mm-hmm. not just for chapter 1, but for the entirety of the book of Romans, where he talks about the gospel of Christ. that Paul's not ashamed of it. It has great power to everyone to the Jews and to the Greeks for everybody is pulled together in Christ and and it, it, that is the beauty of the book of Romans it is a unifying yeah. book as as much as the first two chapters you know kind of seem to be you know kind of tearing down people. It isn't. I mean, the Mm -hmm. first two chapters and the first three chapters really are are meant to unify everybody, Mm -hmm. to unify everybody in a place that, listen, everybody needs Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody needs Christ. And it was a lesson, certainly, that the Gentile Christians would have had to understand a lesson certainly the Jewish Christians would have had to understand. And it's why I think in a lot of ways he begins, you know, the book with it.
0: Absolutely. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up there. That's Romans chapter 2 in 30 minutes. Uh, But uh, I think it was a a really good conversation for me, and and we'll pick up in chapter 3 next week. And as Jeremy said, chapter three is a little bit of a turning point early on here in the book of Romans. So hopefully you can uh, follow along with us next week as we get into chapter three. We want to thank you for taking some time out of your day uh, to listen and to study along with us. Uh, We want to invite you to come and worship with us. If you have an opportunity to do that, we'll meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., worship at 10 a.m., and then again at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. Uh, So you're welcome to come to any of those that you are able to. We meet at the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We'd also like to invite you to follow along on Facebook and our website, traderspointchurch.org. We live stream our services at both of those locations. And so if you're not able to be out with us... You can follow along with our worship services there if you'd like. So thank you again for uh, your time this morning and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.